of 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. I think Zach Ertz second year in the system, full season. I think Hollywood Brown playing in our system, and then I definitely Rondell. I mean, he's he's kind of waited in the wings last year. He was frustrated at times last year with the way I used him, which he should have been, and I understood that. But he's going to get an opportunity to show what he can do. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Can take off 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Yeah, welcome back to State Farm Stadium. A new week of football here, Wolf, and the first game week since the week of January 17th. I know it's preseason. That playoff game kind of felt like preseason in retrospect, but this is the first game week in like seven months. Hey, just remember this, Luke. You can have no season without the preseason. I see what you did there. Right there, you can have no season without the preseason. It's like there cannot be any ordinary, right, without the extraordinary or vice versa as well. And that's something that I think the Arizona Cardinals are really working on in this training camp right here. Work on that ordinary. It's one of the things we actually saw in the red-white practice. You and I were talking about this, too, before the show most of the days so far of camp practice has been early like it's been it's been going as our show has started and it's kind of wrapped up you know depending on the day 20 minutes half hour an hour into our show but monday last weekend this week we're the whole time we're doing the show we're ramping up to practice at one o'clock they're rolling the field in right now like it is a different vibe as you're building up to something and again i know it's preseason but this is starting to get a lot more real when you have another team involved yeah and you have to wonder too because they're actually going to play a game against the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm going to be there in Cincinnati, as a matter of fact. I have to keep reminding myself. You look like you just realized that. Exactly. (laughs) It's coming to fruition. (laughs) It is Friday against the Bengals. This might be the most physical practice of the week. Now, maybe it's not. Maybe it's still going to be Tuesday. But I think that's a little bit too close, as a matter of fact. So I think maybe, maybe today is going to be more of a physical practice. We know that the Red White practice, of course, on Saturday. They went full pads. There was a rumor out there that they were going to go spiders. Spiders, which are kind of like shells, you know, little, (laughs) I don't know, cupcakes on your shoulder pads, that type of thing, and really not not going full go. I was happy to see they came out in full gear, and they got it mixed up a little bit. How do you feel about a sellout for the red-white practice, too? Because honestly, Wolf, that said to me, for as much as the fan base, it just depends who you talk to, right? You you hear some of them, okay, we're frustrated with Kyler Murray. We're frustrated with the way things are going. We're frustrated with the way last season ended. That said to me, Cardinals fans are are, are done with the playoff game from last year. They're done with the offseason drama. They are ready for actual football. Yes. And we're not far away from actual football now. The love and misery, the old saying says, sells the same. (laughs) That's not John Steinbeck, so I don't know who it is. I'm just saying this right now. So, you know what? It was good to see there were a lot of Cardinal fans, no doubt about it. They showed up in four. 18,000 is what the estimate was, as you said. Um, thoughts on the practice overall for me, I have to start with the fact they actually had a brown zone practice session. A brown zone. You know what the brown zone is? It is the opposite of the red zone. Okay, I ask rhetorically, Luke, did you know what the brown zone was? I, I, only because of you. Okay, so you understand. The brown zone is what? It's you're backed up. 
you're inside your own 20. It's it's from the minus 20 in, and you're coming out from your own end zone. It's known as the brown zone with most teams that are out there, or maybe just simply coming out for the most part, but you're backed up. That's the problem. It's the opposite, the antithesis, obviously, of the red zone, where you're on the other team's 20 or in, going in to score a touchdown. I love the emphasis on the brown zone. A little situational work for the Arizona Cardinals in that. I thought that was the highlight for me, at least, watching them come out, trying to run the ball, throwing the ball as well. The emphasis, once again, I want to see in situational football is the Arizona Cardinals running the ball a little bit more than what they did last year. Once again, through the first 10 or 11 weeks of last season, Luke, they were the number two or three run rate team in the NFL. I mean, that's that's cold, hard facts. And then going into December, they were number five in run rate. A pretty good uh, record in those first 12 games, too, didn't they? Yes. And, and number five, they need to get back to that, to where they were a run-first team. Now, listen, they're not... You know, when I say that, philosophically, they're never, ever going to be a run-first team with Cliff Kingsbury as their coach and Kyler Murray as their quarterback. It's just not going to happen. But they were a team that definitely lined up and would run the ball and commit to running the ball, and they have to do it situationally once again. The brown zone coming out and the red zone going in. Hey, listen, the old saying right now in the National Football League is you throw to score and you run to win. Yeah, seeing that seeing that a lot of places actually this preseason. That that phrase seems to be gaining in popularity in 2022 for whatever reason. Uh, you mentioned Kyler Murray and he was out there not actually participating but signing autographs for a long time after the uh, the red white practice on Saturday. Just good to see him out there. He is um he's supposed to unless something has changed in the last half hour or so. He's supposed to practice today and there are rumors Hollywood Brown is expected to practice today. That is a tandem that obviously is expected to be very big for this team starting in week one against the Chiefs, and yet we have not really got to see them yet, Wolf. I mean, I know that they have worked together. I guess we all saw them at Oklahoma four years ago, but we haven't actually got to see them on this field, and we may today. Yeah, you know, once again, the the preseason games haven't even started. I'm not concerned about that. If you tell me that, you know, after the Cincinnati game, um, now all of a sudden we don't see Hollywood Brown out here practicing, uh, I'm going to be a little concerned about that. Yeah, there's no doubt. I don't care about what you did in college. I don't care, you know, if you guys had all this magical chemistry and everything. Hey, that was, was, a few that years was ago, in Norman, cool. Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay, it was a long time ago, if you ask me. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to be concerned about that until maybe after the Cincinnati Bengals game. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I'm just more impatient at this point. In fact, that probably will be the first line of my autobiography I, if I ever write I one. love that. I, I lo- what? What's I, the first line? I wouldn't line? say I'm concerned. I'm just impatient. That's it. <laughs> I love that right there. I'm agitated. Okay, that's, <laughs> I'm just telling you right that's now. That's your first You're line? impatient. I'm, I'm agitated. I'm, I'm, agitated. <laughs> I'm a little, yeah, it just makes me a little thorny, a little 
spiky about that right now. What are you doing? You know, at some point in time, can we get this guy out there? I'm a little agitated. I'm a little agitated when, you know, what I see is line up inside the tent and in practice even. In practice. Oh, I know. Throw the ball three times inside the five-yard line and not score. I was here. I'm I'm a little, you know, I'm agitated. Well, look, everybody, I'm turning into a thorn. Um, It's the truth. It, It does agitate me from time to time. But, you know, once again, hey, listen, just because you're working on something right now in training camp doesn't mean that's going to be the way that it is in games. Always. The bottom line is what are you doing in games, obviously. Yeah, and, and I'm interested. There's, I mean, there's a lot of things we have already seen at camp that I'm interested to see how they actually play out in real games. I don't know that we're going to get an answer on Friday to some of these, but like Isaiah Simmons, they, they want to move him around. They can move him around, but how much in an actual game flow situation, hey, it's the fourth quarter against the Chiefs and the Cardinals are holding on to a three-point lead, how much is he going to move around? And I know a lot of that's going to be dictated by game flow, but I want to see how much some of the things we've already seen here at camp will translate to uh, to what we're going to see in actual games. I do want to get this out there too, Wolf, because we will continue our streak of talking to at least one Cardinals player on the show. Sounds like Marco Wilson's going to join oh. us on the show today. Yeah, about that, Marco. Yeah. I'm excited for Marco this. Marco Wilson right now, absolutely. Uh, going into year number two, where is his head? That's what I want to know. What is he thinking about going into year number two? What does obviously, he think about what Cliff said last week? Yeah, what does he think about that? Absolutely. What does he think walking around out there with a groin? What are you going to do about it? You know, I mean, we've got a lot of questions, a lot of things we can actually ask Marco Wilson. So I am looking forward to that. When is that again? Exactly. Uh, let's see. Well, let's both look at our show sheets that Aaron gave us, and that'll be before practice. So in the 12 o'clock hour, probably 12.15. Okay, probably 12.15, Luke estimating. Yes. That's a fluid situation. I'm not reporting that. I mean, I'm watching I'm just, the football field Luke move. Luke is estimating that. I'm not reporting The actual football field in front of me is moving right to left, so anything goes at this point. I would say it's a fluid situation. Man in the white pants. Yeah. We're going to get to the bottom of that mystery at some point. We're going to figure out why why he has to stand there as the field moves. We were hip, hypnotized by it for like eight minutes before the show started today. But for the record, he can do it alone. Just a little safety. Oh, there's only one of them he there. He can okay. do All it right. alone. Okay, okay, good. Go. Uh, we come back. Kyler Murray back this week. How are the Cardinals going to ramp? him up heading towards that first preseason game that's next it's the wolf and luke show on 98.7 fm arizona sports station camp takeoff 2022 is a go coverage presented by 72 souls and kona brewing taking off into the 2022 season the cardinals are hoping to soar like never before Quarterback and pro bowler Kyler Murray. Call sign K1. Leads a potent air and ground attack. K1 can go ballistic with unrivaled downfield accuracy. An 80-yard strike. Kyler Murray. Or he can turn on the afterburners and use his speed to score. And he's in for the touchdown. Kyler Murray makes him pay with a 12-yard run. His primary deep threat is new addition to the squadron Marquise Brown. Call sign Hollywood. Along with backfield workhorse James Conner. Call sign Terminator. Whiteout Rondale, give me some more. And tight end Zach, so good it hurts. K1 and the cards have the air superiority tactics and firepower to pile up points. To me, this guy gives us a chance to win the Super Bowl, and that's something to be excited about. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. 
Right back out here at State Farm Stadium as they get set for practice a little bit later on this afternoon, heading towards the first preseason game of the year, taking on the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals on Friday. Wolf realized earlier in the show he will be in Cincinnati on Friday. I saw the look of realization on your face. (laughs) You're about to go to Ohio. Uh, Kyler Murray. Gets back out there a little bit, doesn't really get to do anything uh, on Saturday, but he's out there, signs autographs for about an hour or so after everything. You know, it, it, a couple thoughts on Kyler Murray before we really get into this, Wolf. Yeah. That's one way to win the fans over. That was my first reaction. Like, okay, you know, Kyler seems like he's really kind of dedicated to winning some fans over here as we start the season. And then my other thought was, does Kyler Murray really have to win the fans over? I mean, does he really have to? He's, it's not. Like, I keep coming back to this. It's not like the guy got in trouble off the field. No. I go back to what Kyler Murray himself said of when you win, they love you, and when you lose, they hate you, basically. Um, I just think if he goes out there and plays well this season, he. I think Cardinals fans are on board. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. Honestly, my advice to Kyler Murray is don't try to win the fans over. You don't have to do I, that. That, that was the you thing. don't have to do that. Just be yourself. Go out and win games. Play well and win games. That's it. But that should be time, his focus. I, and I 100% agree. But at the same time, I did like that. And I think a lot of people liked it because it doesn't show leadership that you went and sound, signed autographs. And it's not like he's never signed an autograph before. But it was. It kind of just seems like another little intentional step he seems to be taking. And I thought he was taking him last year too honestly okay the so season. specifically you're talking about the fact he was out here 45 minutes to an hour after practice I'm just saying signing autographs yeah. um yeah you know what i think he, he may have been one of the last guys actually out on the field if not yeah the last guy out on the field signing autographs um yeah you know it's important of course you want to be grateful Gratitude. This is oh, one of the Monty pillars. Williams. One of the pillars of Monty Williams and the Suns culture is gratitude. It matters. You should be grateful. You should be grateful all these people love you and want to see you do well. It's one of the reasons why you signed a contract for $230 million, Luke. So you should care about the fans. There's no doubt. What I'm saying is that shouldn't be his reason for going out and wanting to win and play well. It ought to all be focused on the field in between the white lines and that means preparing all week long to play well in between the white lines appreciate the fans yes be grateful for the support of the fans yes but don't make that your impetus oh i don't think he is but i just think that was a a, maybe a sign that he's a little he just maybe it was just saturday but an effort to be a little more outgoing you know and that hasn't necessarily always been his personality again Everybody's different. It's not a problem. Ultimately, what he does on the field, and he's not getting in trouble off the field, and he's a pretty exciting player to watch. But I just found it interesting, and everybody ran with that story. That that came off as the highlight of the practice on Saturday, quite honestly. Interesting. Um, for you, maybe, or for the media, of I'm course. I'm just saying in general, fans, that's sort of how it was, maybe how it was portrayed. Yeah. yeah, for me, that was not no, the, <laughs> the... Okay, just making that clear no. right there. That was not the fact that Kyler Murray did that. Let me just say this. Um, we know about Kyler Murray and his talent base in audience. Oh my goodness, this guy, his arm talent is as good as it gets in the National Football League, both from a strength perspective and from a touch perspective. 
this guy has got all the arm talent you could possibly want for a franchise quarterback. We all know about his legs. The fact that he can actually convert on third down, pull the ball down, convert, move the stick, something that early in Russell Wilson's career, he did that often and just broke the backs of many defenses on third and ten because suddenly four verts, the Seattle Seahawks used to be famous for this, they'd run four vertical routes down the field, in which case you've got guys running with those four verts right there. And suddenly, even if you had a spy on Russell Wilson, he was one-on-one with some guy, pull the ball down, convert. On a third and ten, he'd gain 11 and get out of bounds. It's it's a weapon. It's you got to use it. It's a total weapon, and that's where I want to see Kyler Murray continue to grow. Pulling the ball down, making good decisions when he needs to use his legs to pick up first downs or score a touchdown and then get down, whatever it may be. That's fine right there. But I just I don't remember, as, as you're saying that, and I'm sure it's happened, obviously, but I don't remember a lot of times watching a Cardinals game. Okay, Kyler Murray drops back to pass. It is third and seven. And that situation you're talking about plays out, and he actually tucks the ball and runs. I don't remember him ever getting stopped before he got the first down. Mm-hmm. Pretty routinely, it's okay, he needs seven yards, he runs 11, gets out of bounds. Yes. I mean, that's the other thing. He gets out of bounds. If you're not getting hit, then who cares if he runs the seven yards? Now, all of a sudden, let's talk about how Kyler Murray is thinking and how he's feeling, because that kind of plays into what you were talking about in terms of Kyler Murray caring about the fans after the practice, running over there, staying out here almost an hour after practice, signing all of these autographs. The love that was coming down, too, on Kyler Murray was significant as well. So let's talk about that. You know what I, I want to see from Kyler Murray in terms of the intangibles and growing? I want to see him take responsibility for every win and every loss. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I want to see Kyler take it personally. And this is something I think he's going to do. He's growing. Again, he's a young guy. I fully expect him to continue to grow and mature. But one of the things that I heard Carson Palmer and one of the things I heard Kurt Warner talk about specifically, it's always the quarterback's fault. Yeah. It's yep. always the quarterback's fault. Those those comments really resonated with me. You know what? Get up and take responsibility, personal responsibility for everything that happens, even when it's not your responsibility. I would also I would add on to that. It's always the quarterback's fault, and it's always the guy who's making $230 million fault. And he's both of those guys now. So, yeah, it, the losses are going to be his fault. It's interesting. I, I think... Even I, if you went out and threw for 400 even, yards. Yeah, you know even what? if he's the number one fantasy football performer that week and his stats are impeccable, but if they lost the game... i got to do better. I've got to do better. we got to win that game. See, with him, I, I do, and I always have felt like this, even back covering practice his first year in the league. At practice, I felt this way. I think he does take a loss personally. I just don't know that he always convey, conveys that outwardly yes. that he's taking it personally. I think you're right about that. There's at least some truth to that. But think about what you just said right there, because Luke, honestly, if you've got a quarterback and he's like, I've got to be better. I, if, if I threw for 400, 
in, in two touchdowns, i got to throw for 450 and three. I've got to be better. We have to win that game. And I look at myself first. You know what's going to start happening if Kyler Murray comes out and starts talking like that? You're going to get veterans who are going to step up inside that locker room, and they're going to rally around that. Yeah. They're going to rally around their quarterback, and they're going to say, that's bull. We've got to play better. I have to play better. It starts with me. Personal responsibility. That's what I want to see. If Kyler is always constantly displaying that personal responsibility for winning and losing games when you're the franchise quarterback and getting paid $230 million, you know what? It's your personal responsibility. And you'll have your teammates rally around you. Come to the aid of their franchise quarterback if he just steps up and takes that personal responsibility either way, win or lose. Well, and it's not just an act either. I mean, if you just if you if you, no. if you separate the fact that it's the Cardinals and all the emotional investment the fans have in them, and you just look at a team and you say, This team has a quarterback that has been deemed worth a quarter of a billion dollars, and he's not getting paid that much yet. Like it's not counting against the cap yet. That instantly should be a playoff team. You're in the sweet spot, you should be a playoff team. No. No matter what else, you should be a playoff team. And of course, it does have to matter to him. It has to. That's why I say he's got to take that personal responsibility. It's got to matter to him. It can't be an act. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, one former Cardinals facing stiff competition in his new job and one former Sun Devil just can't catch a break. We'll go around the NFL next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, it is, uh, it's, you know, Wolf, look, football season's coming up. It's already fantasy football draft season. That's typically August. I know you know this as a, as a fantasy football savant. Go to CircleLasVegas.com. I think you'll appreciate <laughs> let's, let's it. Go. Uh, let's go. That's not Great place to do a draft. Uh, I can tell you the Miami Dolphins, one uh, running back room I'm just going to avoid entirely in drafts because I'm sure it's great for Mike McDaniel that he's got Miles Gaskin and Sony Michelle and Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds and a couple other guys. I think they still have Savon Ahmed, too. They do. Um, I'm not getting involved with that, though. If I'm drafting a fantasy football team, I don't need one-fifth of running back production. I don't know how they're going to sort this one out. Boy, I'll tell you, it's really interesting because I don't know if you have a RB1. It doesn't sound like it. I don't think you have an RB1 in that group right there. You just got a lot of really, really good RB2s, I think. Yeah. And that's why it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Miami, you've been talking about this all offseason, and I'm with you on this. It's going to be fascinating to watch how this team evolves. Especially with Tyreek Hill playing down there. They really are one of the most, one of the teams I'm most interested in that, that isn't like an obvious one, right? Like, okay, obviously we're interested in the Cardinals. Obviously interested in like the Chiefs and the Rams just because they might be in the Super Bowl or Buffalo. But when you start to go under the radar, Miami might be the team I'm most interested in this season because who knows what they're going to do. And if Tyreek Hill's right and two is like the greatest quarterback of all time, that's going to be a really dangerous team. But as far as running backs, that that's one of those situations where it's better for your real life NFL team. I'm sure Mike McDaniel likes to have all those running backs at his disposal. Not great for fantasy football. Yeah, not great for fantasy football. Great for a football team that plans on running the ball a lot. And that's what the Miami Dolphins are going to do. They're going to be top five in run rate halfway through the season. They'll be top five in run rate. I guarantee you that, Luke. Hold me to that, okay? Because this is a team that's going to run the ball. I also 
like the fact that looking at the Miami Dolphins in that jam-packed running back room, it makes me think of the Arizona Cardinals and their running back room with Eno Benjamin starting to look a lot better and starting to get a lot of talk in regard to coaches looking at Eno Benjamin and saying, this guy, look out. Uh, One more thing on Miami, too. San Francisco was so fascinating last year because of how they used Debo Samuel. And I know that that wasn't just Mike McDaniel, but is it as simple as they're going to try and use Tyreek Hill that way in Miami, or is there somebody else they could use? No, there really isn't. I I think what they're going to do, man, they're going to attack the line of scrimmage. Just have eight running backs. They're going to attack the line of scrimmage and then throw the ball down the field. We'll see, but I guarantee in rundown situation with Mike McDaniel, of course, coming from San Francisco, you know what the number one thing we're going to see from Miami? It's going to be an offense that runs the same offense in terms of running the ball and then using play action to throw the ball. It's going to look the same in rundown situation. You watch. It's going to look exactly the same. Uh, over to Chicago, Nikhil Harry. Sounds like a high ankle sprain that is believed to be severe, according to ESPN. So this guy cannot, just cannot get this career jump-started. First-round pick. I remember doing the, the draft party show with you. We're out of four picks. There was uh, Dave Burns was there, Gambo was there, and we're, you know, and, and a lot of us there were like, "Hey, maybe maybe Nikhil slips to the second round. Maybe the, uh, the the Cardinals ultimately get him." And I know Gambo said that you know they were going to go with Byron Murphy anyway, and that's what they did. But I'm talking about a first round pick, and he just cannot get going. And I thought in Chicago this would be a chance for him to revitalize his career, and maybe it still is. But if that's an ankle sprain that's going to keep him out for you know six eight weeks, that's a real tough spot to be in when you're not locked in to a roster spot. You know, one of the things I think of immediately, I cannot tell you how many guys I've seen like Nikhil Harry. And I don't know Nikhil. I don't know him personally. I'm just talking about guys, for whatever reason, had all the talents in the world, all the ability to play at the next level, to play at the National Football League level, to play the highest level of football we as a species could generate. I can't tell you how many guys I've seen like that. That for whatever reason just did not make that transition from the college game to the NFL. I'm sorry, but that's a big pile of guys. I'm holding out hope that he's one of those guys that just couldn't get going in Bill Belichick's system and he'll get a better start somewhere else. But the problem is when you eat through one of those chances with the team that drafted you and then you get an injury as you're trying to start off with the next. It's not like we're six weeks into the season and he was really good the first six weeks and then he got hurt. Uh, I mean, now it's like... You know, what do you? What do the Bears? What can they even think of you? They don't know yet. There wasn't a ton of buzz around Nikhil Harry either mm-hmm. before the injury. No, and I mean you can you can tell that by the fact there wasn't a ton of buzz around Phoenix for the Cardinals to go out and get him. Even though the Cardinals are pretty set at receiver every year, it's like, hey, there's a Sun Devil that's available. Let's go out and get him. Now, the 49ers, Wolf. This was interesting to me yesterday. And Rappaport said, you know, they might not move on from Jimmy G for a while. So how long are the 49ers willing to wait? From my understanding, they're willing to wait all the way to cutdown day. And in fact, it wouldn't make a lot of sense for the 49ers to, let's say, move on from Jimmy Garoppolo now, because what if another quarterback gets hurt or what if there is some sort of need? It sounds like they're going to hold on to him as long as possible just to see if any trade market develops before eventually and likely... 
I'm sorry. That sounds like somebody in San Francisco, John Lynch, picked up the phone and said, you know what, I need to start calling all these people and letting these people know that, hey, listen, we're getting absolutely jack on the phone right now, and we're not going to. Are you kidding me? There's no way we're going to cut him. We're not going to do it. And then hang the phone up dramatically, right? It sounds like... Sometimes, as that. a general manager, you've got to use the press. You've got to use the media to get out a false narrative. Well, the the best chance San Francisco has of getting anything for Jimmy G is if another team has an injury in camp. I mean, that that's it, right? No, I don't think there's a bidding war for Jimmy G. There obviously isn't, because if you were a team that wanted him to be your quarterback this year, you would just go out and get him at the start of camp yeah. if you really wanted to do that. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be an injury in camp somewhere, and I think if you're San Francisco, that's what you're banking on. What if Trey Lance gets hurt? <laughs> you're going to go back to Jimmy G? They don't want Jimmy G. That's the thing. Around the, they don't want him anywhere around him. I mean, are you kidding me? Well, it's you, just hysterical. You've been saying that for a while. If oh. you're the 49ers, what do you what do you do with him? You can't you can't make it look like, hey, this guy has all this value. Okay, well then why don't you want him around? Don't ask us that. They told him not to come to minicamp. <laughs> That's how terrified they are. They're not even getting ready to play games. They're not even playing games. They didn't want him at minicamp. <laughs> Why didn't they want him at minicamp? Because there were going to be dudes looking at him like, man, this guy's better than that guy. Why are we going with this guy? You well, get my point. You've got a quarterback who I think we would all agree is above average, maybe right around league average. Not not much more than, than league. Not a bad quarterback, but not really a quarterback that wins you games in general by himself. Who his team doesn't want. Who is coming off an injured shoulder? I'm guessing the draft value, the trade value, is not going to be real high for Jimmy G right now. No, it's not going to be. What are you waiting for, John Lynch? It's a great question. And although, as John Lynch said, when uh, Jimmy G originally had the shoulder issue, it wasn't going to drive his trade value down. So yeah, maybe he's just going to hold on. You can't tell forever. me there's not a team out there waving around a six-round pick, saying, "You know what? We'll give you a sixth for him." Yeah, I, you, you can't tell me that. I agree with what you're saying, but if you start to think of who some of those teams would be, my first thoughts would be like Pittsburgh, and they kind of have their guys now. They want to see what they have. Uh, Seattle? I mean, are you going to trade them to Seattle? That makes the Seahawks slightly better. I don't know. Trade them to somebody else, and then Seattle's going to go get them <laughs> to whatever team they trade them to. <laughs> That's probably watch. what it is. Uh, all right. Do you know a high school student with great character? We want to hear about them and how they make an impact on our community. So just text character to 626. 20 and share their story. What's in it for them? Just a $10,000 scholarship from Parker and Sons and Arizona Sports. Text character to 620-620 when we come back. How good can the Cardinals offensive line be this season? Well, the guy who should know better than anyone else weighed in over the weekend. We'll get you his thoughts next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. All right, Wolf, we went through a good chunk of the offensive line last week because we talked to a lot of the offensive line. Kelvin Beachum, what did we talk to? DJ Humphreys, Will Hernandez, Justin Pugh on Friday. Yeah. Justin Pugh, I feel like, just sort of... uh, 
jump-started the show on Friday. No doubt about it. This is one of the more intelligent guys you're ever going to talk to in terms of offensive line. And he's the classic offensive lineman as well. This is a guy that has a really, really long fuse. <laughs> All right? But when that fuse goes off, start running. Start running. Because this guy, when he was younger, he was a brawler. It was a great, fascinating conversation that we had with him in regard to Will Hernandez, who is going into, what, year five now. Will Hernandez, of course, and the fact that Will Hernandez is now the brawler, where Justin Pugh, when he was young, when he was a first-year guy, second-year guy, he was a brawler. He really was. Now, all of a sudden, he's backed off a little bit and lets Will handle his light stuff. Well, and he knows knows what it's like playing in New York for the Giants, too, so he can sort of, uh, he can can relate to what Will Hernandez probably has been going through. Now, this was Sean Coogler over the weekend talking about the Cardinals' offensive line line saying the starting five yeah that's pretty much who you think it's going to be but what about the depth behind them you know, I think our starting five's uh, close to being set. We, you know, we had an unfortunate setback with uh, Moo. You know, he was uh, having a really good camp and, and injured his foot. So, you know, he factors into that mix, too. Uh, we just hope he, we can get him back healthy. But there's st- still guys battling for spots. But most of the battles are for backup spots and trying to be that uh, seventh or eighth guy on game day and, and then making the active rosters. And, again, we get a lot of really good battles at those spots. And I couldn't tell you which one of those guys is going to stand out. It's really going to depend on the preseason games, which I'm looking forward to. Okay, so DJ Humphreys, Justin Pugh, Rodney Hudson, Will Hernandez, Kelvin Beecham. There's your five. Yeah. Left to right. Yeah, that's it right there. Uh-huh. You know what? I like that, too. I'll take my chances with that all day I long. I too. And it feels weird to say that, because usually you usually we're conditioned to think, oh, yeah, they need offensive line help, or you got to do this or that. It's the depth. The depth is the unknown, but I, I do like that starting five. Yeah, you know, four of the five guys coming back that have played together now in three of the five that have played together for years. I, I love that. I think Sean Coogler has done a great job with them. This is a much maligned offensive line. You know it. There are so many analysts nationally that continue to look at the Arizona Cardinals and say their offensive line has really been a problem. It really has not been the problem, if you ask me. Now, a couple listen, years, like a few years ago A few ago years ago, yes it was. Ago, yes, it was. Yeah. No doubt about that. Even maybe Kook's first year. Maybe you could point to that and say they were a little spotty. But after that, man, they have really been, I, I would say, above average. Not just average, but certainly not below average by any stretch of the imagination. Yet that's okay. Let them think what they want to continue to think. Their starting five, I think, is going to be an above average offensive line. Not the most dominant offensive line. I don't know if I'd put them in the top ten, but that's okay. Because once again, as you've heard me talk about your offensive line just needs to be good enough to allow your talent to do what they do. This is uh, more from Sean Kugler over the weekend talking about how he likes the mix of old and new he has with that group. We'll start with Josh Jones and Josh Miles. So they're both playing tackle. They're both uh, battling to be a, you know, the swing tackle. You know, DJ's cemented in and, and so is Calvin Beecham. But uh, both those guys are doing a good job. Uh, really excited to get them. They're probably going to get most of the preseason work and uh, where they're out there on an island by themselves. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. But they're taking progressive steps. I think we got a great 
great mix of old. Uh, we got a, a, a group of, you know, like Will Hernandez and Josh Miles and Josh Jones, uh, Murray in that medium range, and then we got some young guys. So uh, that's the goal to get it all like that and then just continue to keep that cycle going. And I think we got that in place. It's going to be interesting because typically on game day in today's NFL, Luke, you draw seven offensive linemen. It always was eight. Back when I was playing, you were going to dress eight offensive linemen because one guy was going to be a center. One guy was going to be capable of being a center. The other two guys were going to be backups. They were going to be guys who could play tackle and guys that could play guard. Either guard, either tackle, whatever it may be. You typically had eight. Today's NFL, they dress seven guys, man. It's To me, it's rolling the dice, but I think of a guy like Josh Jones who can play tackle or guard. He's a tackle. That's where I think he needs to be. Guard is not where Josh Jones needs to be, but he can play either of those. He knows the assignments. Um, Sean Harlow is a guy that is getting a lot of the center reps, and I know Coogs likes Sean Harlow a lot and thinks he's really come along and progressed, especially over the last couple of seasons here, but that's a guy that is more center than guard. But Justin Murray, Justin Murray was a guy that could play anywhere across the board, anywhere across the front other than center. And I think they'd love to have Sean Harlow or Josh Jones and Justin Murray. Either one of those guys dress, because that would be seven on game day. Well, and the center position in particular obviously became a huge focal point you know, the last few weeks leading up to the start of training camp, because we didn't know if Rodney Hudson was coming back. And then you're looking around saying, okay, well, are they going to make Justin Pugh? a center? Are they going to, is Sean Harlow ready to be a starting center when you thought you were going to have Rodney Hudson? Now Hudson's back, but that, that's a conversation that just as a football fan talking to your, your buddies at the sports bar, you're not usually talking about, hey, how do we feel about backup center this year? You know yeah. what I mean? That's something you kind of take for granted. You talk about the big playmakers on defense and you talk about the guys who score points, but um, center depth was a, a topic of conversation for Cardinals fans, and so Kugler addressed that as well. Uh, Sean's our backup center and trying to develop uh, Lasitas at that position. Uh, I have no problem if Sean was our starting center. Uh, Sean has started for us before at center. Uh, he played against Green Bay, against the Pro Bowler, and played outstanding at center. He started for us at guard. So Sean brings a lot of value inside because he can be the st- starting center if needed be. He could play guard if needed be. So uh, he's a valuable piece. Uh, Lasitas uh, never played center. So he's making that uh, transition. Man, he has some days where everything clicks and then, you know, you'll see a thing like a snap or a false start. He's got a lot of things on his plate, and he's thinking about a lot of things, but he's very smart. Uh, he's really a athletic player. He's got great size. He's 315. He's physical. Uh, so he has a lot of attributes that, you know, as a coach, you love to have. Like, you can mold it, and uh, he's doing an outstanding job. Just say it, Cokes. Okay, he's got a lot of bot. Just say it. I mean, that's what you want out of your center. Yes, he's got to have a brain, Luke, but he's got to have a can. I like Honestly, I'm just police. (laughs) Out of my center, yes, you want to see a guy who's got a butt. And he's got a huge butt right now. I like big Uh, We understand. You know every time you say (laughs) that, it's going to set that off. Yes, but Lucidus, I think that is his future. I think he's going to need a couple.
couple of years, though. I think he's going to need uh, at least this year. But I think that could possibly be his future, the center position. I think he's more center than he is guard. Now, we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds. But I like it, man. If you're telling me Josh Jones, Justin Murray, and Sean Harlow are your backups, I like that right well, now. Well, and that certainly sounds like Sean Harlow is going to be dressing on a lot of game days if he's going to be able to play center. Uh, you and, need that. And, you know, we Unless saw, Justin Pugh, you could actually move him over. I guess over. that's true, huh? You could do that. You could. We saw last year, I mean, Max Garcia didn't have a bad year. But when Max Garcia had to play center, the ball was bouncing off Kyler Murray's face mask before he was ready for it. Like, that's not, it's not just a simple, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're okay, you played guard your whole life. Well, in the middle of the game, you go ahead and play center. You're just snapping. Yeah, no big deal. It's one more step, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's great, though. I love it because Josh Jones is more tackle than anything else. Uh, Justin Murray is more guard than anything else, even though Justin Murray, as we know, can play tackle. He played right tackle. Remember that? When he first got here, he was actually starting. He started, what, I believe it was 12 games at right tackle. He came in here. They signed him uh, as a as a, um, a free agent. They brought him in here. He got cut from somewhere else, and uh, suddenly he was your starting right tackle for 12 games, and guess what? He did a doggone good job, but he's more guard than he is tackle, and Sean Harlow is more center than anything else. All right, when we come back, it is week one of the preseason on Friday. So, Wolf, which players are you paying the most attention to this week in the Cardinals roster? The first fulcrum football of 2022 Ooh. is next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.